to the QLaw Pod and our special series, What's Next with Afshin Chowdhury. Each episode, Afshin, a second-year law student, chats with Queen's Law grads about their experiences, their education, and their career path after law school to explore the idea that there is no one way to be a lawyer. For other episodes of the QLaw podcast, visit soundcloud.com backslash queens-law or your favorite podcast provider. In this episode of What's Next, Afshin chats with Joseph Berger, a 2007 Queen's University grad and Law 15 graduate. Joseph is a committed litigator and advocate with particular experience in administrative law and professional regulation at Palier Roland, a top-tier litigation boutique that provides intelligent solutions to complex problems. Joseph joined the firm in 2022 after practicing for a number of years as in-house counsel at two large provincial professional regulatory bodies. In addition to appearing in front of numerous administrative boards and tribunals, Joseph has appeared as counsel before the Superior Court of Justice, the Ontario Court of Appeal, and at an inquest at the office of Ontario's chief coroner. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello, good afternoon, Kingston, Ontario. We are live on air at CFRC 101.9 FM. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show, Ashley. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to have you. So as you already know, we're here live on air and you already know what the first question is going to be. So why don't we hop right into it? So, um, yeah, if you're ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Awesome, awesome. So I'm just going to ask you, what did you do yesterday at work? What was your What was your day like, just your Monday? Uh, so you did, this is one of two questions you warned me was coming. And um, <clears throat> I wasn't thrilled about it because my Monday was gearing up to be pretty boring. But... Uh, the beginning of last week, a, a colleague at my firm <clears throat> was uh, ordered to go into court. So at the last minute, I um, had an opportunity to assist her with a, a hearing that was scheduled for Monday. Um, my firm does a lot of professional regulation, and that's the area I work in a lot um, myself. So. I ended up doing a hearing on Monday morning. It was an uncontested hearing, meaning um, both sides ultimately had reached an agreement on what should happen at the hearing and what the resolution would be. So it wasn't too challenging or intimidating in any, intimidating in any way, but <clears throat> did end up having a hearing on Monday morning. Um, and it was wrapped up by about lunchtime, which was nice. Um, these hearings do tend to go pretty efficiently. And then had lunch with my colleagues uh, in our office and uh, did some drafting to the more boring part of my day in the afternoon. But a lot of my work involves writing opinions, I'm reviewing briefs, uh, drafting affidavits, that type of thing. So that was my afternoon and it kind of took off mid-afternoon. Um, <clears throat> I should uh started with my, the non-part of my work day. I do have a... Uh, a toddler oh. so i have become an involuntary morning person so <laughs> <laughs> the day started actually earlier than i would have liked but um dropped the baby off at daycare had a coffee before coming in for the hearing and i kind of left 
on the office early to pick him up from daycare. I uh, went for a little walk around 5 o'clock and uh, had dinner with my family and then did a little more work in the evening after the baby went to bed and after dinner and um, logged off my computer with enough time to watch the Leafs stage a miraculous comeback in the third period of last night's hockey game. So that was my day <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I feel like everyone who's been following the Leafs were just cautious fans at this point. Cautiously <laughs> optimistic. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to um, <clears throat> be too confident with any lead, and uh, especially when they're playing from behind, but I think everyone's pretty happy with the results so far, so we'll keep our fingers crossed. Exactly, fingers crossed moving forward, and, and again, congrats on the baby boy. That's so exciting. I, I love that you're able to still spend time with your family and have such a fun, interesting day at work where you get to, I don't know, I guess, I guess you're day turned into something a little bit exciting in the morning by going to court so it, it sounds like a well-balanced day to be honest yeah it's good i mean I, I do feel fortunate our firm is very um family friendly there's a lot of um parents with small children and babies at the firm so i'm certainly not alone and uh it's nice to have an understanding workplace where sort of the time commitments of being a parent uh, um, are are understood and there's there's room for that while keeping up a busy legal practice. So um, I do find uh, it's it's fortunate to have a firm that kind of invites um, its lawyers to have that kind of balance in their lives. Yeah, which is which is so important. And it's uh, you know we have our motto of the show that there's no one way to be a lawyer and even even that means there's no one way to to be a person too we are we're people outside of our profession and i love when people are able to emphasize that work-life balance and that you're also surrounded by colleagues who share that common i guess understanding of what what life can be and i actually on that note just talking about life and paths and stuff i i recall that you are double queen's grad so you did your undergrad at queens and law school at queens so i wanted to talk a little bit about that as well and just you know just to hear about your undergraduate time and how you liked it yeah absolutely so um as you said there's certainly like no one path to um be a lawyer or how to get to be a lawyer so i did do a undergrad degree at queens in, in 2007 and i graduated with my law degree from 2015, um, law degree takes three years. So if you do the math, there is a five-year gap there. <laughs> um, and I loved my undergrad experience at Queens and um, kind of was like a bit intimidated to go back to school as an older student in law school. Mm-hmm. Not that I was that old, but five years older than a lot of other people entering. So um the opportunity to go back to Queens was just really comforting to me. It was a familiar place, of, like Kingston is a city of familiar cities. So I was happy to return, but um, very different experiences, different times in my life from undergrad to law school. But uh, I enjoyed my undergrad there a lot and was thrilled to be able to return to Kingston and to Queens for, for my law degree. Yeah, of course. Actually, I wanted to ask you, so you said that there was that five-year kind of age gap between those who directly went into law school and yourself. And I was wondering how you found maybe navigating Queen's Law, making friendships, connecting with people. Did you feel like your life experiences kind of shaped your journey through Queen's Law a bit? 
to some extent, I feel I certainly had a kind of a different perspective um, when I was in school. I really enjoyed being back at school. I had been working in the years between school, so getting the opportunity to just be a full-time student, um, I appreciated it in a way that I'm not sure people who go straight through always do. Mm. Um, I also kind of had... I think a bit more of a balanced perspective on the whole, and I know we're going to talk about this yes. a bit later, but like on the whole um, search for jobs, that kind of thing. So I think um, for a lot of people, and it's not a criticism at all. In fact, I think um, I kind of wish I had been more like this, but a lot of people finish their undergrad degree and then it's like their next degree, their law degree, their next job. And it's just like, their future is sort of like lined up and organized, at least in their own head. So they always know what's next. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that experience. Um, certainly like in my early 20s, I didn't exactly know where I would end up or what jobs I would have, that kind of thing. Um, I didn't have a clear sense of my path at all times, but I think that helped me deal with the uncertainty that comes when you're going through the summer job recruit and the Arctic thing recruit as well. So I think it, it gave me a valuable perspective during that period of time. Yeah, and kind of an opportunity to connect with who you are as a person, getting to know yourself. And that, that I mean, that journey, I feel like, I feel like life is just a journey of keeping up with who we're becoming, but especially in law school and trying to navigate what area of law you want to practice, which is actually before we get to our hot topic of the day, I I remember we talked about how you were interested in criminal law, but right now you're working more so in a broader litigation sphere. So do you want to talk maybe about some of the courses you were interested in when you were at Queen's Law? I know you're also with the Legal Aid Clinic. Um, if you did any moots, what kind of experiences you took on, what you didn't take on, and then we can hop into the juicy topic of job recruitment. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did, I took like a lot of criminal courses um, in at Queen's Law. I think I took, I, and I couldn't name them off the top of my head at this point, but I think whatever criminal specific courses there were, like including like advanced criminal law sentencing, I took all those. And I also, um, evidence of course, that's not strictly for criminal law, but I, I really geared my course selection to practicing criminal law. Mm -hmm. And I was involved um, in the Queens Prison Law Clinic. That was my job after uh, my 1L summer and I stayed working there as a 2L as well, um, which gave me great my feet experience doing these sort of like prison law hearings, disciplinary hearings and parole board hearings. Um, so that was, uh, I didn't moot in, in law school, but it was those clinical experiences, which I really look back on as my most valuable experiences in law school. And I absolutely loved being a part of, at the time it was called the Correctional Law Project, but now it's okay. I believe called Queen's Prison Law Clinic. So that was like a fantastic experience for me. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, so I, I did article in criminal law. Uh, oh, okay. For, yeah, so for various reasons, I, I it didn't end up being the fit um, that I thought it would be. And I think, oh, yeah. you know, that's a lesson to take away. I think you can never exactly know what you, what you will like until you do it. I, I won't speak for everyone, but at least. That was my experience because I, I thought it was what I wanted to do, but 
Um, That's so interesting. Actually, did you do defense or did you work with the Crown for your articles? I articled in criminal defense. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting because then you did the prison law clinic. Quick shout out to the prison law clinic and all the hard workers there and the clinics in general. Honestly, such a formative experience and I'm always a little jealous of the prison law clinic for sure. <laughs> just, it just seems so a, interesting. a very special one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people even choose Queen's Law specifically because this, this legal clinic is just so unique across Canada actually. So I'm, I'm really glad that we offer it and that Kingston is situated around so many prisons to offer this kind of a clinic experience. And yeah, it's very interesting to hear too that you were academically enjoying criminal law oriented courses and then going into practice, you kind of had this realization and reorientation before we even, you know, I think, I think this is a great place to halt because then we're going to get into your journey after law school, which is going to connect with the recruitment and hopefully we can just kind of fuse it together and talk about life after law. Um, but let's do a little rewind and <laughs> talk about OCIs. Dun, dun, dun. So for those of you not familiar with what OCIs are, it's more known as the formal recruitment process for jobs in the legal field where in our second year of law school, Students across Ontario apply for jobs and the Toronto recruitment is the most, I guess, famous, notorious. So a lot of people are applying to these jobs in Toronto, to some of these big law firms. And then we're being fed this narrative that if you don't get this job, then it's then it's over. We, you have to get a successful job through this very intense recruitment process. And so it's called OCIs because it starts with an on-campus interview. That's where the acronym comes from. And so I know you, Joe, well, you were at Queen's Law, you applied for the OCIs. And I'm particularly interested in your journey because you said that you were unsuccessful in your OCI journey. However, we know that Pallier Roland, the firm you're with right now, does participate in the OCIs and you ended up at this firm. So that kind of just works to eradicate the stigma that if you want to work at one of these participating firms, the OCI firms, that you can still work there even if you don't get in through the formal recruitment process. So I just want to hear about your journey, how your application process was like, what you went through, and even just offering some insight to us as students on how to navigate this professionally, emotionally, just, you know, give it to us, Joe, give it all. <laughs> um, well, I can only speak to my experience, obviously, but just having, I guess the other perspective I have is being um, almost a decade removed from OCI is that in my experience, most people, um, my year of color, are no longer working at the places they got their summer jobs in articling. So the idea that it is the be all and end all is uh, just not true. There's a lot of movement in law, especially as a young lawyer, as an associate. And um, the job market is of course competitive and I certainly understand why uh, law students want to get a job and there's added security in getting a job at sort of like these established firms where there's a reasonably good chance of hire back and that sort of thing. So I would never tell people don't be nervous because I think it's totally reasonable to be nervous and to want those jobs. I understand the incentive. 
Um, but yeah, I went through the OCI process. I had a couple of interns, but I didn't end up getting a, a job out of that process. But make no mistake, Toronto is a big city, and I'm not saying anyone should restrict themselves to Toronto either, but there's a lot of firms that don't participate in the OCI process. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I ended up getting a job at one of those firms. Um, you just have to work a little bit harder because the OCI process is meant to streamline things. It's meant to make it easy. Um, it does place a lot of people in good summer jobs and then you're kind of set up for articling and hopefully hire back after that. But at each step, people will change and move around. So I think um, <clears throat> going through the process, people should be mindful of that. This doesn't mean you're not gonna get a job. It's likely not going to be your forever job, even if you do get a job through that process. Uh, and that's not because you'll be fired or you won't be hired back, but because there's a lot of opportunity once you're actually a lawyer, once you get a few years of experience, you might find something more attractive than the job you have, or you might find your interests change. You don't want to work in the particular uh, environment that the job you have is in. Um, you want to work somewhere more niche. You want to work a smaller place, a bigger place. Um, there's a lot more opportunities beyond OCIs, and some of them don't open up right away, but I think uh, Queens in particular has a very high placement for articling, but, um, and that goes to the efforts of career services that go well beyond the OCI recruit. So I'd encourage people to keep an open mind and in, in terms of like the opportunities that are out there and just in terms of attitude when going into an OCI, um, it's a good opportunity. I don't know when people will really have the opportunity to meet that many practitioners from that many different firms doing that much type of, that varied type of work. Yeah, so it is true. an interesting, unique opportunity in that way too, to really like find out why these people like that work, why these people like the offices they work at. Um, you have their time, they're sitting there too, and their time is pretty valuable. So. I think one thing to keep in mind is you you obviously are trying to put your best foot forward, but these firms want to sell themselves to you as well. And it's not just you, you selling yourself to them. So I wouldn't expect someone talking to me to be able to tell me why they love working in professional regulation and like why they've always <laughs> wanted to work in professional regulation. It's pretty niche. But if someone genuinely asks, me like what do you like about professional regulation why did you choose that um that would show me there they have a genuine interest in it mm-hmm. and people who do have a genuine interest in the work they do are the ones who are likely going to stay doing that work for for a while rather than those who just take whatever job gets offered to them and i'm not saying people shouldn't do that either but uh it's i think it's a learning opportunity both ways um those places are trying to learn about you, but you should be trying to learn about those firms and, and the work they do. Yeah. Um, bearing in mind that your career will, will likely go off in directions you can't always anticipate. Yeah, really, I really like that because then it, then it makes you feel like regardless of the results, it's still such an informational experience, a valuable educational experience of getting to just learn about the profession and gain exposure as law students. So I I really like that. I like what you said about how a lot of your colleagues ended up in different places than their summer placements and 
I think sometimes law school can be a bit of a microcosm where we think that this is the end all be all. We're going to be here forever. I remember I had a friend ask me, oh, you know, wherever you end up in the summer, is that your forever firm? And it just really made me think that we, we truly don't afford ourselves or appreciate the fact that we're living beings who have an entire lifetime ahead of us and that we should allow ourselves the space and openness to grow into that into that life so which which you did of course because then you explored criminal law that's where your area of interest was and now you've kind of spun off into a different direction and you're enjoying what you're doing there so before we even go into that I I did want to ask a last bit of advice you might want to leave with people so who are applying for who applied for OCIs or in the future will apply for OCIs and if should they be unsuccessful what advice would you leave with them in terms of emotionally navigating that space because everyone comes back from reading week with the results, their job results, and it's either a yes or a no. So for those who have a no, how what would you recommend for people to do to kind of take care of their mental health and their well-being and, and navigate that social dynamic and what advice you give in terms of just searching for jobs outside of the formal recruitment? Um, yeah, I would, for people who come away with a no, I think, to be mindful of the fact that their careers are long and it's certainly like not a permanent no. Like me and um, my law school housemate have a joke about one particular firm that like failed to acknowledge our applications like combined probably like 20 times. <laughs> so like through 2L recruit, 3L or like articling and then like associate positions. So oh my goodness. I, I think like these rejections are part of life. They don't define you. I think ultimately like people go through different types of rejections at different stages in life all the time and it doesn't speak to who you are as a person mm -hmm. or who you are as a lawyer um you, it's hard to not take these things personally but with experience uh I, I think most people get there um law school is the very beginning of your career so what i would say to anyone who doesn't get a job through the OCI process and even those who do is to like keep on reflecting about the career you ultimately want to have um, keep on trying to work towards that try to work towards what your actual genuine interests are because if you are interested in uh, doing the type of work I do professional regulation you can do it in a number of ways there's solo practitioners doing it you could do it in-house the way I did for a number of years or you could do it at bigger firms. And the same thing for corporate law. Um, <clears throat> I have a close friend who ended up at a larger firm, but articled in a much smaller firm. Family law, like these, the same types of law happen in all sorts of different environments. And if there's a type of law you're interested in, or you have a passion for, that is the work you should um, aim your efforts at doing. And explore those different avenues and I think lean on your career counselors while you have them while you're in school um, and I think just try to build the experience I think trying to focus on like where you end up as a job is a bit like focusing on something that's out of your control and I think like this cliched advice is to instead focus on the things that are within your controls um, which would really be just trying to get experience in the areas of law you enjoy doing uh, 
where you can get that experience and there will always be ways and ultimately I think you'll be happier in your career when you've been doing work that you genuinely find interesting as opposed to just getting the experience that you think will will get you into a big group or something like that. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for the for the wisdom, honestly, because you've you've lived life outside of law school, so you have a very grounded perspective on on what it can be and, and sometimes we just need that reassurance of of what life is like and and on that note let's let's talk a little bit about uh professional regulation so you went from crim law to a different area of law let's hear a little bit about how you found yourself here yeah um so i first got a bit of exposure to professional regulation while um articling at the criminal defense firm that i articled at because a lot of criminal defense lawyers will sort of take on that work if it comes through the door um it is based on um, like the civil balance of probabilities and usually uses different colleges are different but that's usually um, civil rules of evidence as opposed to criminal but it's litigation ultimately and um, it's interesting work and you're defending people and you're defending people from institutions that are threatening their livelihoods in some case so criminal lawyers do do that work and that is where I got my first exposure to it, or at least kind of became aware of that as a certain possibility for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, um, it, I always wanted to kind of be like an on my feet litigator. Like that's the part of law that I enjoyed. I didn't want to be behind a desk 12 hours a day, like typing and although even in litigation, that's that's part of the work, but getting the chance to be on your feet and oral advocacy was always what I envisioned myself doing as a component of my job, which is why I thought criminal law would be a good fit for me. But I realized through uh, articling and as a younger associate that there was lots of types of administrative law and that offered those opportunities as well. Mm-hmm. I did mental health law for a little bit where I was probably on my feet once or twice a week doing hearings um, before the Consent and Capacity Board or Ontario Review Board. And then I happened to get a foot in the door at the Ontario College of Pharmacists where I worked for about four years and that led me into professional regulation and I just found the issues interesting. I found the work interesting. It is fast moving and does give you a chance to get on your feet um, relatively often and it just became an area that I gained experience in over time and I I really enjoy it. Well that's so wonderful. I love uh, how you kind of figured out what you like to do which was I I really relate to you too in terms of I envision myself moving around, going to court, taking part in that oral advocacy work. So it's it's nice to hear the other options that are available. It's interesting that in different stages of life, the same maybe dilemma presents itself where we're in high school and we're only exposed to a small number of career options. And then we go further into life and we gain exposure to more. And I think in law school, because we only have three years and 1L only has a confined amount of of space to provide us with some of these foundational courses. We hear about these bigger areas of law like torts and criminal law and public law, constitutional law, but we don't get to hear about 
your area of law, which is professional regulation and more of these, I guess, niche areas. So it's nice that you are able to then explore the more niche areas and see that litigation doesn't have to look one way. And again, coming back to there's no one way to be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like what I do falls under the umbrella of administrative law, which I also took in law school and it wasn't my favorite course. I mean, I tell people I do administrative law and they think uh, you do like office law or like I don't get it. But um, basically there's so much litigation that happens in front of tribunals and hearing panels and basically out of court, but by other um, decision-making bodies. And it generally moves faster than court. So the ones that people are probably more familiar with would be like the parole board is administrative law. Um, landlord and tenant board is administrative law. Mm. So the uh, administrative law really touches a lot of areas. And, you know, I, I would struggle to even um, name most of the, the uh, ways of administrative law um, functions throughout society, but it's really like all over the place. So I think it really, again, I would just return to, we can't, we don't, uh, as young lawyers or as law students, like you don't really, as you say, you don't know what all opportunities are out there or what's available to you. But I think what you do know is what work you are finding interesting, what mm -hmm. you're enjoying. And I think when people follow what their genuine interests are, that can lead you down to paths of like discovering what, what kind of career might work for you, even if it's not something that was formally presented to you in law school. Yeah, and I, that's, that's amazing advice to actually try to leave us off on so then we can kind of go into our last question of the session. So this is, this is perfect timing. And this might be the most important question of them all. I'm just kidding. It's a fun one. It's what was your favorite place to eat at in Kingston? And Joe, I want you to keep in mind that we're going to have other Queens Law alum who are also going to be sharing their favorite restaurants. So whatever, you're going to have to use your advocacy skills here to really push your restaurant as, as the best and your favorite. Okay. Well, this one's personal to me. I mean, I think you're going to have no shortage of great answers. And there's, <laughs> I think like hits way above its weight in terms of food options. There's an amazing um, group sort of of like Cambodian restaurants that I was like tempted to give one of those as my answers and good sushi and classic French and Italian restaurants. But my favorite restaurant is a little deli called the Golden Rooster, which is on Princess oh. Street. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to go there. After I that. have. Yeah, I love that place. <laughs> Yeah, like it just feels like it's out of a different time. I think the food is really good. The the staff are so friendly, and I just have so many fond memories of uh, oh. brunches and lunches there with my law school housemates. It was basically our go-to. Um, so Golden Rooster is my final answer. Oh, that's such a great answer, and it's also it's a local place. It definitely feels like when you walk in, you're in the '80s, and you've just time traveled back in in the best way possible. Also, the best Reuben sandwich I've ever had is from that deli. <laughs> definitely, I've been meaning to get back to Kingston experience experience it again. I know I will soon. 
Oh yeah, yeah. We'd love to. We'd love to have you back here. And yeah, I just that that's just the most warm, nostalgic note to end off on. I'm feeling nostalgic, but I live here, so I don't know how that really works. <laughs> Yeah. So I just wanted to take a moment, Joe, to thank you so, so much for joining us today and, and sharing such wonderful wisdom. We're so grateful to have you. And as students, and I know I can speak for myself, it's it's always amazing to get this kind of insight and perspective so that we can ground ourselves and remember that there's a life after law school and that whatever we learn here to cherish our time and that we're hopefully going to go into the workforce and continue to discover ourselves and allow us kind of allowing ourselves to be open to that self-discovery and know that it's a continuous journey. So thank you so much for your amazing advice. And I just, I can't wait to remain in touch and, and work together. <laughs> yeah, well, I was about to say, like for most students, they won't stay, but you definitely have found your forever home with your two all-summer jobs. So <laughs> keep that in mind. So, oh. But we're really excited to have you at Pelly Rowland and it was great. Uh, getting the chance to speak with you today. So oh, thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> thank you so much, Joe. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I, yeah, of course. Thank you. I also wanted to give a few shout outs and thank yous to the Queen's Faculty of Law Marketing team for supporting the production of the show. Special shout outs to Mark Dean, who also created the original theme song that you heard at the beginning of the episode, to Timothy Butters, who did the introduction for today's guest, Joe Berger. Thank you to Mike Molis from the Career Development Office for helping us to develop this program. Thank you to Chancellor Dinah and the CFRC team for hosting us at the radio station. And thank you to our viewers so, so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and that you stay tuned for more of What's Next with Afshin. And just a little bit of disclaimer before we end the show. I just want to say that the views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of the producers, hosts, or the Queen's Faculty of Law. This radio show does not contain any legal advice. Keelah pod is run by the queen's faculty of law and this radio show what next with afshin is run by student volunteers the radio show was prepared with the assistance of the faculty of law marketing team career development office and student volunteers as a host of what's next with afshin i am not a lawyer and not authorized to provide legal advice the radio show contains general discussions surrounding legal topics the profession and related issues only if you require legal advice please consult with a lawyer for more What's Next with Ashin episodes, check us out at QLawPod or on most broadcasting platforms on CFRC 101.9 FM, Kingston's only campus and community radio station. Thank you and have a great day.